We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Well, my publicist called and said that Beyonce wanted your number. I said, well, girl, why is you still on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) So she was falling out laughing just like that. And she said, well, I'm about to give them the number. So not knowing when Beyonce was going to call, I'm sitting by the phone nervous. I'm like, girl, she going to call today. She going to call tomorrow. She going to call in the middle of the night when I'm asleep. When she going to call? So she called maybe like an hour later and then she I answered. She was like, you know who this is? And I'm like, oh, yes, I've been waiting on this call. <laughs> and so she said that she had a project and she wanted me to get on the project and she wanted me to talk some New Orleans shit on the project. I said, oh, well, that's no problem at all. So they sent me a little snippet. The snippet was not long at all. It might have been five seconds. So I took that five seconds and my DJ, he looped it over and over and over for about a minute and 30 seconds to two minutes. And um, I went in the studio and I laid some vocals down and I just talked some shit. I did not come to play. I didn't come to slay and all of that. We sent it back to him and it was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Next thing I know, I'm at a parade going down the street at Endymion. The, you know, the next year and people are like, oh my God, I just heard you on the Beyonce track. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't hear myself on the Beyonce track. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that it had made the project, but I was so excited. Like I ran all the way to my car to go try to find it or whatever. It was all a shocker, you know, from getting the phone call to getting her, the second phone call saying she love it to now it's out and to people saying they love it and then all of the interviews that came after it was just it was just a wild trickle of things one after another big frida is the star of bounce music and one of the biggest names to come out of new orleans in decades just as drake and beyonce who put her on their songs i love big frida i love her energy i love her music had to have her on this show let's go it's big frida on Touré Show. So tell me about Bounce Music. Like, give me a a history of it as best you can, because you are the most famous uh, person in it, but it exists. It's larger than you. It predates you. It's bigger than you. So help the rest of us understand what is it and how do we know that we're hearing it? I'm an extension of it. You know, um, it was around when I was a kid and 
I grew up listening to it here in the, the in New Orleans. It's been a part of our culture for a very long time, you know, with a lot of great legends and artists who have set and paved the way for me to even be in the bounce game. And when I describe bounce music to people, it's a New Orleans-based music, a subgenre of hip-hop. It's up-tempo, it's heavy bass, it's call-and-respond type music. It has a lot to deal with ass-shaking and moving body parts. Um, it's a fun music. You know, if you put on a bounce song, you're definitely going to see some twerking. So anytime you see some some ass-shaking, you know it has something to deal with bounce in it. Yeah, it seems like, it's definitely hip-hop, and it also seems a little bit of house, right? And it's more about beats and 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 phrases rather than verses that are going to like like an MC try to blow your mind with his verse like house uh, bounces more like like here's a chorus here's a hook and here's the beat yeah. you know it 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 just it really depends on how how at the time what you're creating cuz sometimes it be verse you know it'll be a hook a verse you know back to the hook it just depends on 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 the individual who's creating and what the moment that you're trying to create for your fans but a lot of the stuff is more repetitive and dun 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 and you know just that a lot of bass and boom and you know a knock so that you can get everybody moving their body parts, you know, is a party music for sure. It's a club music. It's meant yeah, to definitely. be in a big club and get everybody like going. Yeah, amped up. You put on a Frida song, you definitely going to get the party amped up. <laughs> Trigger Man is the song that is sort of like at the the basis. The basis. Yeah. What what and Trigger Man is not a, a New Orleans song. So what it's is it? Not, a- but it is a definitely a one of the beats that is, you know, the founder of, of bounce music, you know, between that and the brown beat and the cheeky black claps, all of those are the elements to the bounce game. And um the showboys have been very lenient and very kind to the culture of bounce music and a very much a big influence and a big impact on all of our careers and they're friends of mine and I'm very thankful for them for just allowing us to have fun with the beat. Cause that's what it was. All of us in New Orleans just having fun with the beat. We have fun with all type of music, no matter what type of song it is, they'll throw a beat on top of it. And then it's the bounce version, what you is, know? But what is it about Trigger Man that, that, that motivated so many people to, to pull from it and make records and, Build bounce. Yes, all, all of it. The whole chemistry of it is just like a big pile of gumbo, you know, a big pot of gumbo. And it has so many ingredients, great ingredients in it. And you could just pull a little bit out and you can, you know, to, to spice up your your ingredients of what you're putting together. So it has so many great elements in that whole song from the snares to the drums to all of the samples and the little doo doo doo. You know, the little sounds, everything is just perfect in the song that you can use something for. Now, I mean, when you talk about gumbo, you make me hungry because oh, gumbo is one of I my... I cook. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on I can now. cook. I throws down now, I'm telling you. Well, tell us about... Oh, I want to hear about New Orleans in general, but tell us about your gumbo recipe, how to do it perfectly. Well, first of all, you got to start and make a roux. You know, it's important to make the right consistent roux so that you can start the base of your gumbo. What's and the then roux? The roux is just like a gravy. 
at the bottom, your mixture of your of your root. You know, it could be flour and water, you know, with a little kitchen bouquet. Um, and you're starting making that like a paste and you put that with a little oil, fry that down. And all of that makes when you put in the water and you add in the water, that's what makes the roux. And then you add your sausage and then you add your seasons. And then, you know, eventually you're going to throw some chicken in there. You're going to throw some crabs in there, some shrimp in there, get some gumbo filet in there. And it's going to just take it to the whole next level. How long does it take to do it right? Uh, a couple of hours. You, you know, usually when you're making a good gumbo, uh, mines take about three to four hours because when you started with just the gizzards, gizzards take a long time to get tender. They take like two, three hours themselves. So once you get them gizzards tender, everything else kind of falls in place. Smoked sausage don't take that long. Crabs don't take that long. Shrimps don't take that long. Um, the chicken and the gizzards is the longest process. Because you want to make sure you have tender chicken and tender gizzards. But it's a process each step of putting it in because you don't want to put your chicken in too early where it's falling all off the bones. So you got to let the gizzards go first. Then you add your sausage. Then you add your chicken. Then you add your crabs. Then you add your shrimp last because shrimp don't take long at all. That's five minutes to get the shrimp to change their color. Once they're in all of that hot pot, it's, you know, it's a whole different thing that changes everything. Okay. Is, is, and you add your fillet as you're going through throughout the whole process. You can keep adding fillet and tasting and adding fillet to get it to the flavor that you want. Is gumbo your best dish out of no? What, what's your best? My best dish, I will have to say, is my mom's um, cornbread dressing, where um, you know I learned it from scratch. I, I learned it from a kid, and it stuck. It stood with me, and my whole family acts all the time. Make some dressing because it's just like your mama, you know, and I got all of the the, um, you know, I was blessed to get all of the the talent from my mama of cooking. So that's where my skills come from. And it reminds my family of my mom's cooking. So I definitely did get it. That's beautiful. New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the world and not just to eating, but just the architecture, the people, the vibe, the everything Tell us about New Orleans and how New Orleans feeds into the amazing musical culture that it's had. It's the birthplace of jazz. It's important to hip hop. It's critical to bounce. You know, so much musical culture. You just just going into the quarter and you see, you know, eight year old boys tap dancing and tromboning yes. and you know, I mean, like it's so much part of the of the culture of New Orleans. So talk about how New Orleans has this amazing musical culture. Well, you know, you said it all in a nutshell there. I mean, New Orleans is just, it's just that it's filled with lots of great talent. You know, we, we, we struggle a lot here with a lot of different things for as, you know, violence and, you know, um, a lot of people losing loved ones and, and just everyday life situations that we face. But, you know, the music is what get us through. When the boys are on Bourbon Street tapping and beating on drums and playing trumpets, that are the things that's survival mode and uh, the things that are pushing us through. When we're in the studio creating a bounce song or performing it in a club or at a block party, those are the things that keep on making the people of New Orleans 
push forward to trying to get through the next day. And music is an outlet that that lets us be able to lay our hair down for just a few moments. And then you go back to your problems, but it also can help you through, you know, some rough times. And we have so many great musicians here from, you know, from trumpets and, and trombones to, 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 to organists and pianists to singers and rappers. And, you know, we have the whole cash money family, no limit, you know, and, and that has been big for New Orleans. It helped put New Orleans music and hip hop on the map. And, you know, over the years, eventually Bounce became more known to the world. And, and when I started to travel outside of New Orleans, you know, I started teaching people the culture of Bounce music and how to twerk and doing dance classes and, you know, just bringing the vibe of the party of New Orleans around the world. So New Orleans has been very special to me. It's my birthplace. It taught me, you know, survival tactics and, you know, my musical upbringing and all of the things that I've I've encountered in. Um, so it's been a great, a great city and it's full of life and full of joy. We are family oriented place where we like the party. We party for everything, but for happy times, sad times, all the in-betweens, you know, we, we gonna twerk at whatever is that, whatever the event is. New Orleans makes a funeral into a party. That's what I'm telling you. We gonna, we gonna celebrate you though. Cause see, we're celebrating their life. We're not, you know, we, it, we're losing them in the physical form, but with their memory and their legacy will live on through us. So we celebrate that. And when their birthdays come around, we have another party. When their that anniversary come, we have another party. And we want to remember our people. Because, um, you know, when you have loved ones, they affect your life. It's almost, to me, I feel like when we, when we enter New Orleans, we kind of leave America a little bit and it's America, but it's also kind of like the Caribbean. It feels like the most foreign city in America. Well, I guess because I'm born and raised here, um, it don't feel like that to me. It just feel like home, you know? And so it's been this way for a long time for me. And as it grow and progresses, I can see the change and feel the change but it's still just home. I know where everything at. I know how to get to everything. I know all the people. I walk around and free to, you know, everywhere I go. So it's it's home to me. Well, I've been, you um, know, but I've been coming. It, it, I've been I've been in and out of New Orleans a lot over the years, and it was different before Katrina. You oh, know, most definitely. It, it, it was it was big. It had a vibrancy that after Katrina was lost for many years. And yes. it's getting back to some of that, but it's still oh, not yeah. what it was. And a no. lot of people were hurt and had to leave. Um, I don't think it'll ever get back exactly to that. Yeah. Well, can you talk about the journey that you saw the city go through in terms of like, you know, getting punched in the face by Katrina and having a deal and having to try to build back? Well, you know, Katrina was rough for all of us. It's, you know, New Orleans was devastated and I was devastated. My family was devastated. All the people that I knew was devastated because it was a hard time to go through. We all had to start to rebuild our lives all over again. It was just like taking and getting a clean slate and starting all over again. You know, I went through it. I stayed home for Katrina thinking, oh, it's just a little storm. It's going to pass by. And before 
it was too late to get out. I couldn't get out, so we were stuck here. I had to sleep on the bridge. I had to be rescued by a boat, me and my family. We slept at the convention center on the ground for a few days until they came to rescue us. Then I had to leave on a big cargo plane uh, to Arkansas and stay at an army base. Then I went to a campground. After the campground, I went to Shreveport. After Shreveport, I went to Laplace. After Laplace, I moved to Houston. After Houston, I moved back to New Orleans. It was a lot of ripping and running and trying to figure out where I was going to live, where I was going to be, what was happening with my life. So for me, it affected me and my whole family. And, you know, I think Katrina happened for a reason because it also gave people a chance to want to start their life over and to give them a a new slate to do something different and productive with their life. And, um, you know, for a long time, we've had a lot of violence here and a lot of people hurting each other. And I think that God did it to shake New Orleans up and to kind of rebuild the city into a, a new New Orleans. And, you know, when you see all these different things happen around the world with with different catastrophic events, you don't take them as seriously as when you go through it. And when you go through it, it changes your life and it makes you look at what those other people have went through in a whole nother light. And so you learn to appreciate life a whole lot more and know that material things are of no value. Long as you have your life, you could always buy new clothes, you know, buy a new car, get a new house, you know, and, and that was the most important thing for me that I was able to survive through it. And we did everything, you know, we needed to survive and get through to the other side. You know, it's still taking some time to get New Orleans back, but we're going to keep on bouncing back. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now 
They are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. What, you bring up God, and I think that's interesting, but you understand there are man-made reasons why after after the water came, the city got, part of the city got crushed. What do you, what is your, I don't know, there's a lot of theories on, like, what do you think is the reason why uh, what happened to the city happened? Well, once again, I mean, no matter what happened, I think it all happened for a reason to rebuild New Orleans. And, um, you know, some things we'll never know why it happened. But in, in in my true belief, I feel like it was going to happen one way or another. Some type of, you know, Thing was going to come and was going to shake up New Orleans, just like around the, you know, things happen around the world that we don't know is going to happen. And it happens. And, you know, you just don't know. It was it, a lot of people talked about that, it, that if there's any silver lining, it helped spread bounce and in, in specific in New Orleans culture in general uh, around the South more because a lot of people went to Houston, Atlanta, what have you. So that was a big, uh, that it ended up being beneficial for your career and your culture. It did most definitely because we were displaced all over the world and people started to, um, you know, ask what type of music is this? Teach me how to dance like that. You know, we was playing the music at apartments, complexes, and we were playing music at clubs and I started getting requests to come to different cities to play. And when I got there, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, she came. And it's like they will come outside to greet me. The crowd would be unbelievable. Everybody had FEMA and Red Cross money. So they popping bottles and, you know, everybody dressing shy. So it was some some really good times back then. But it brought a sense of home when I went to travel to all them places around Katrina and I was out there recruiting people to come back home and to rebuild the city. And, you know, let's get new Orleans back to what it was because I knew I I had a job as a musician. If I wanted to get back to my clubs and then back to my city, I had to be promoting for people to come back home. And a lot of people have come back, but a lot of people haven't. Right. So kind a lot of, of new people too. A lot of new people. But people are moving in now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have moved to New Orleans, and and you know, 
help filling the city up. What is you talk about your beginnings in music? Why did you gravitate toward being a performer? Well, I always did like music. And when I was young, I started in gospel music. I was in a choir um, for many, many years. And then I became a choir director. Um, I took piano lessons. You know, I took vocal lessons. I also was the director at my high school choir. I sung with Gospel Soul Children, Gospel Music Workshop of America, traveled all around. And so I always thought that I would be like a famous choir director or a composer of gospel music. I never thought that I would be doing bounce music. That just came kind of out of nowhere. But um, so I always did like having kind of, I guess you could say a spotlight, you know, but my spotlight was in church. And so uh, in 98, my friend Katie Red was the first trans to come out with bounce music in New Orleans. And I started to help background Katie, go do some stuff with Katie at the studio because we were friends before she started rapping. And once she started rapping, you know, all of her friends, we were her supporters. She had us in songs and stuff, had us doing background acting crazy noises and all of that. And then in 2000, I did my own solo project um, with a bounce song. And people was like, oh, my God, you have the voice. You should do it. Why not? We Everybody know you already. You, you already known in New Orleans. So I did it, took a chance on it. And when I did it, the whole city was on the song. And, and it was so crazy. I was just like, I can't believe this. And so I started making more songs and more songs. And I was like, I like this. And things started happening. And once I decided that this was going to be my career, um, there was no looking back for me. I mean, you really do have the voice. There is something very big and dynamic about your voice. I think my favorite song of yours is Dive and just the way that the voice sort of booms um, and the chorus you like is... Dive? Yeah, you I love like Dive. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's on my... Um, it's it's on my my playlist when I go running, and it like gives me like extra you know that extra boost of energy. I mean like the the chorus voice is really big, and then the verse voice has this great flavor to it. I mean like your voice is a really interesting, powerful uh, instrument. Thank you, thank you, and I I, I thank God for that because that comes from my church background, just always being so loud in both in church and being, you know, doing welcome addresses and singing in the choir and, you know, always just being loud in church. And so that's what a voice come from. Mm. Um, I know that for you to get here required a lot of persistence. I think you talk about that in your book of just like, you know, you get knocked down, you keep coming back, you keep coming back, you keep sticking with it. Not that many people show up. You just keep, I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. Yes. Where talk about that persistence and where that comes from and the the determination to stick with being a nightlife performer, you know, because now lots of people are into your music and recognize you as an icon, but it, it took years to build up to that. It did. And I mean, like I said, once I decided that this was going to be my full on career, there was just like, I got to go full force. If I want to do something and make a change in my career, I got to be even more consistent. 
I have to do some things that I haven't done. I have to step outside of my my regular comfort zone and, you know, network and experience new things. I just I just started opening my mind up more to want to do more and to to want to grind harder and become bigger and want to set the bar high and want to make bounce reach further. And, you know, I started setting goals and, and dreams. And so that's what just, you know, kept the drive. And my mom, I saw her hustle for so long throughout my whole entire life. She was a hairdresser. She stood on her feet for 30 years, night after night, day after day. She used her hands a lot, her, you know, her legs and her feet. And so I know I get a lot of my strength from just watching my mom and my stepdad just as hard as they work throughout their entire life and all the people around me. Um, it just helps, you know, it just helps give you drive. And I've I've always been around people who had lots and lots of drive and they love to 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 do stuff and make a difference. You are very much like your mom and like you take a lot from her. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, she was my biggest cheerleader. She she backed me up in everything. She always had me involved in everything, whatever I wanted to do and try to explore. She always had my back on it. And, um, you know, when I lost her in 2014, you know, I saw constantly where a lot of my strength came from and everything that I learned throughout my life was because of her and what she taught me and the values and strength that she had being a strong black woman. And I get a lot of that from her. When she, did she get to see you um, as a performer yeah. and like, like see like, oh, her career is really flowering. It's really coming together. Yeah. She got to see me as a performer. Uh, she got to s- travel with me sometime. Uh, she got to see me set the world Guinness record. She got to see me do a lot of things. And um, I was happy to be able to spend all of those years with her, letting her see the hard work that she has put in, you know, finally flourish into something. Mm. Um, have you dealt with, I, not have you, I know you've dealt with a lot of homophobia and transphobia to get to this point. Uh, what are some of the things you've dealt with and how have you been strong enough to repel that? Well, I mean, I don't. I dealt with a lot because just growing up black and gay in New Orleans was not accepted when I was growing up as a kid. It was very much hush hush, or you know, you know, growing up in the eighties, you you they would talk about it. My family would have meetings about it. You know, it was something that was just not accepted, especially in black families. And so, um, I had to fight a lot. I had to fight the boys in the neighborhood. I had to fight people at school. I had to fight my boy cousins because they were just not happy about their cousin or this dude being gay in the neighborhood. And so each year as time kept on progressing, um, you know, they saw that we wasn't going nowhere and that we was there to stay. And so as we got older, things started to lighten up. People started to accept us more. The more girls accept us, the more boys accept us. Um, and, you know, growing up in my neighborhood, your neighborhoods start to accept you and they start to protect you. And as things started to grow in New Orleans, I had a gay friend just about in every neighborhood. We stayed a few streets over in each neighborhood. So it's like 
they got to deal with it in each neighborhood now. So it was kind of all of us being friends. We will all get together and hang out and kind of, we were kind of forming our own little private union, you can say, amongst the different neighborhoods in New Orleans. And out of all those different neighborhoods, the girls were our biggest supporters and they were kind of our protectors and will fight for us. And eventually the guys started to come around like they ain't going nowhere. The girls love them. You know, they ain't bothering me. And I start, I really started to fight hard for change in New Orleans that I wanted all of the guys to be able to accept me and be able to come up to me and dab me off and not feel like they couldn't talk to me because I was a gay guy. And so I worked really hard at that and I wanted to change that. And, and it started happening and I was just blown away by the acceptance of people once you, it's the way all about how you carry yourself as well. Mm. Um, we, we, with, when did you know? I knew early, but I told my mom when I was 12, I knew real early. I, I've just, anytime a boy came around, I, 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 something just fluttered inside of my stomach and I knew that I liked it boys. Um, but my mom knew too. Cause when I told her, she was like, baby mama already know, you know? And then we talked the next morning and she asked me, did anybody harm me or, you know, touch me in the wrong way? And she want to make sure this is my decision and nobody's not forcing me. And once I told her yes, like she was just there to protect me in every way that she can. She, I was her, her little baby and she did not want to make sure that the world's not treating me wrong, but she made me tough to go out there and be able to face the world. And my neighborhood made me tough and my boy cousins made me tough. So all of those things that I went through only made me tougher for when I got able to, to really go out into the world that I was ready for the world. Um, it, 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 you, you're so fortunate to have that love and acceptance at home. And uh, yes, I was. To- I was because so, my friends didn't have it. They would get kicked out. They would have to come stay by my house. Their moms wasn't having it. Like they were, you know, it, one of my friends had it real bad. He was in and out of youth study all the time, but having fights with his family or his brother. And it was just not, you know, nice for some of my friends. And I, my mom was the cool mom. The cool mom who accepted all the boys yes. who were gay. Yes. I mean, you know, that kind of acceptance makes all the difference in the world. It does. It really does. Because when you have a little support, even if it's one person, and I think what made it more easy for me was my mom accepted me. I didn't need approval from nobody else in the world. So, okay, let's talk about your favorite musicians. Who are some of the people who you listened to and learned from and kind of took something from to become the person you are musically? Oh, I mean, so that we will start probably with gospel on that. I mean, everybody from John P. Key, Timothy Wright, the Winans. Um, oh, my God. It's so many greats out there who I have. Kurt Franklin and the family, Yolanda Adams. I've listened to so many greats growing up, you know, and 
Michael Jackson, Prince, Sylvester, RuPaul, uh, Patti LaBelle, Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, uh, Amazing Frankie Beverly. I mean, I just love music. And so I've listened to so many, you know, people and different artists that inspired my life. But when I was small, I stayed into the gospel heavy and I had so many people I can just it was a list. I have a playlist like crazy of all type of different gospel artists, Raymond Miles, uh, so many that I wanted to be like and wanted that to sound like. So I I just say everybody played a little part, you know, um, a lot of great musicians. I'm glad you said Sylvester because I de- I definitely see that similarity before you even uh, said uh, his name. A, a lot of people say that about about me. Yeah. Well, what do you do? You see it for yourself? I mean, I see it. I I think it's I see it, but but in for a different generation. You understand? You know, like everything I feel comes back around in a different form and in a different way. And we do have a lot of similarities and and pushing for kind of the same things and pushing the same boundaries. So yeah, I do see it. You know, um. Because once my uncle introduced me to, you know, all of Sylvester's music and he gave me a few of his records and stuff. And he was like, this is who you remind me of. And, you know, so we always talked about music and what he did and what some of the greats did. And my uncle was big on music. He liked it all type of music from black to white to country to uh, house music. The man was a genius when it came to records. He would pull out a record and say, oh, I got that, too, you know. So um, I always was musically inclined with somebody around me or, or, or another. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Prince is an interesting, um, valuable uh, influence, I guess, for you, meaning that he, too, was very present and conscious in terms of pulling the best from both genders and being unapologetic about it. Yes. 
he was out there. I love it. Was tell me some of your Little favorite Richard prints. as well. You know, Little Richard, another one. You know that just didn't give a shit about. You know what nobody said. He would speak what was on his mind. He he was unapologetic about living his truth and doing the music that he enjoyed. And you know that's what it's about. And um, I just want to continue to make great music. Be me. You know, help make change in the world. Bring peace and love and light. And and good energy and vibes, because that's what I'm about. You know, I don't like drama and bullshit as people around me. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. People talk about Prince. They talk about Jimi Hendrix and James Brown. But he's really the son of Little Richard more yeah. than those people. And you put the yes, two of them is. side by side like, yo, that's that he's doing Little Richard. Yes. Yes. Little Richard said it. <laughs> you didn't say any rappers. I know you love hip hop. Who are some of your favorite oh, MCs? Yeah. Jay Z, Biggie, Tupac. I mean, I, I, there's all of the greats. I mean, I love Ti. I love Cheesy. I love. I mean, there's so many rappers I love too. Um, you know, I love some of the the new generation rappers. I love the baby, Lil Baby. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of them out there. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by quite a few people and, and definitely the great legends, uh, Jay-Z, uh, Tupac, Biggie, you know, Run DMC, all of that, you know, Salt and Pepper, all of those, all of those growing up, that was the stuff we were listening to that we were on. What is the church that you spent uh, most of your time in? What was the denomination? Baptist. Okay. And what, what is the, Baptist. What is the church? The name of it is Pressing Onward Baptist Church. Pressing On with Baptist Church. Pressing Onward. Pressing Onward. Uh, yeah. where, where is it? Do you still go? No, I, I don't. It's, up, it's uptown on Danielle, on Danielle Street, like right around the corner from my old house where I grew up at, off of Josephine. So was it, 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 was it one of those like loud singing, like musical churches? Oh, of course. I mean, I was the choir director at one of them, at least. And my my godmother was the head choir director. And music was definitely a big part of the church. Like, we had a big youth choir. We had a senior choir. Like, and, you know, we had a mass choir. So we, music was definitely a big part of the church. You could hear the music down the street when you, you're in the block. Um, yeah, good, good, good pastoring and good ser- sermons going down. You know, Bible study, all of that. It was a, it was a great uh, growing up experience. It was our safe haven. It was, it was. We had fun times. We did drives and food. You know, uh, feed the hungry uh, each weekend. Something that I started as a young kid around the church. We did a lot of different things for the community, and it, it felt great growing up at that church. Some churches are accepting of gay folks and some and churches some are, not. are yeah. not. So was your church accepting or did they ever make yeah, you? Yeah, most definitely. My church was accepting. The organist was gay, I was gay, and there was two other gay guys in the choir. So they were definitely accepting. We didn't have any issues. And when we did, like if the pastor decided he wanted to do a sermon on homosexuality, you know, if the shoe fit, wear it. But most of the time, if he did that, I would just step off the off the um off the choir stand and just go in the back for the sermon. And then I will come back. I will feel offended. But 
you know, the pastor has to talk about everything, you know, and, you know, my godmother will reinforce that you are loved by God no matter what your, 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 your sexual preference is. And I will go back on a quiet stand and continue to sing my heart out and, and move on. I mean, if God doesn't make any mistakes, then being gay is not a mistake. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I know a lot of our favorite pastors are gay or, you know, they like to do different things. And so I was saw a lot of hypocrisy in the pastors who were like trying to wag their finger at us. So, you know, I'm sure Jesus would not have said this is one of the big problems. Right. Most definitely. Um. So you, I know you talked about uh, "Nice for What" before, because one of the big records in your career. It's a great song, and it wouldn't be what it is without you and your energy. Talk a little bit about getting on the record, but then also like, come on, man! Like you're not in the video, man. Like everybody's in that damn video, and I uh, know you. I know you gotta be like. Come on, man. Like, how do you not put me in a video? They got people who were not on the song in the video. And where's Frida? Well, things happen. And I'm I'm not upset about the video at all. Uh, I'm just was grateful to be a part of the project and to get the phone call. Drake wanted to use me on the track. And what happened was the track was already done. The track just was missing something. I was the missing something. And once you put the missing something on it, they were ready to release. The video was already shot. Oh. I, so, yeah, it, everything was already done. It was like, you know, maybe less than 48 hours once the song came out after I sent what we had to send. We sent what we sent. They did what they had to do. And then the song was out. But the video and all that was already done. So I wasn't tripping on none of that. I made it in the next video, you know, so I wasn't worried about that. And now I'm in the new verse on No Ceilings 3. I'm okay. the first line, Big Frida. So I'm just grateful to still be, you know, a part of the movement and a part of, of great collaborations. And, um, you know, I'm honored for Drake even stepping up to do a song with a full gay guy who's out there in, in the public and, and Drake, Drake being a heterosexual male and, 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 and we can still be friends and still be cool and still collaborate and make great music together. So I'm grateful. I mean, that was a huge record. Do you, do you see a marker in your career of like, okay, after that came out, like the people who knew me, the amount we could charge, the places that we could go perform, like all oh, that. every time, every time I did when I did the song with Beyonce, the price went up. When I did the song with Drake, the price went up. Yes, you you ain't got to tell a diva. I'm already on it. <laughs> <laughs> I called my manager. So I said, "Read." The price just went up again. He said, "You <laughs> damn skippy." <laughs> well, who did it go up more for, after Drake or after Beyonce? About what and what? About uh, what? It just. About what and what? The height just went up. <laughs> we just went up. <laughs> I never heard but that I mean, phrase it, before. Um, but I, I would say Drake because Beyonce gave it that boom. And then Drake, that just gave it that official, you know, oh yeah, it's official now. <laughs> Tell us about 
getting a call from Beyonce and what that was like? Well, my publicist called and said that Beyonce wanted your number. I said, well, girl, why is you still on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> so she was falling out laughing just like that. And she said, well, I'm about to give them the number. So not knowing when Beyonce was going to call, I'm sitting by the phone nervous. I'm like, girl, she going to call today. She going to call tomorrow. She going to call in the middle of the night when I'm asleep. When she going to call? So she called maybe like an hour later. And then she, I answered. She was like, you know who this is? And I'm like, oh, yes, I've been waiting on this call. <laughs> and so she said that she had a project and she wanted me to get on the project and she wanted me to talk some New Orleans shit on the project. I'll say, oh, well, that's no problem at all. So they sent me a little snippet. The snippet was not long at all. It might have been five seconds, literally like five seconds. And they it sent was you like five seconds of the record. Yeah, just like the the little intro, so that I can figure out what I'ma say. So I took that five seconds, and my DJ he looped it over and over and over for about a minute and thirty seconds to two minutes. And um, I went in the studio and I laid some vocals down, and I just talked some shit. I did not come to play. I didn't come to slay, and all of that. We sent it back to them, and they was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Next thing I know, I'm at a parade going down the street at Endymion, the, you know, the next year. And people are like, oh, my God, I just heard you on the Beyonce track. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't hear myself on the Beyonce track. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that it had made the project, but I was so excited. Like, I ran all the way to my car from the parade to go um, try to find it or whatever. And I called my manager. He doing the same thing, running three blocks from the parade, was saying, you got to be lying. Holy shit. And so he he running. We both gunning, trying to go hear the track. We I finally hear it. I'm super excited. Everybody at the parade talking about they heard this Beyonce track. They love it. This is big. So it was it was it was all a shocker, you know, from getting the phone call to getting her the second phone call saying she love it to. Now it's out and to people saying they love it. And then all of the interviews that came after it, it was just it was just a wild trickle of things, one after another, one I mean, after you, another. You really did take that record to another level. And that's one of her best records, but it would not be what it is without the 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 the, the prelude that you come in with talking that shit and like laying <laughs> down the vibe. I did not come to play. Um, yeah. Talk about just the, the, the thought and the vibe and the moment in the studio, like what you're trying to put down and, and, and cause you didn't even know the rest of the record, what the vibe was. But, but I just was thinking about Beyonce you know, like, this girl don't play. She slays everything she touches. What will she do? You know, I just really was thinking about her and and just, like, how she's been an impact in, in my life. You know, like, I want to be slaying like her. Like, Miss Thing don't play, you know? <laughs> so I just was really thinking about the effect she have on people. The effect that she has on people. So you mm -hmm. were trying to give her vibe back to her. I was. Mm, mm, you sure did. You sure did. Um, what is your five year plan? What do you what do you what do you want for yourself and your career in the next five years? I actually want to just keep on growing and continue to make great music, continue to um 
you know, flourish in, in all kinds of ways. You know, I'm, I have a few business plans that I'm working on with my cooking line and opening my restaurant and, you know, building me a new home and all kinds of stuff. So I, I want to continue to make great music though, and continue to tour and continue to bring great love and light to the world. And, um, you know, that's just going to be next five years of hard work and really setting the tone, um, you know, to continue to set myself up also for retirement for whenever that may come. Right. Tell me about your restaurant. Yeah, so I'm working on my restaurant called Frida's. It's going to be a restaurant slash hotel and um, club all in one. And it's going to be dope. It's going to be phenomenal. Do you have land? Yeah, I where's, mean, I have a building. Where's it going to be? In off in the quarters. Uh huh. Off of Decatur. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, we're we're going through the development processes right now. So, um, which we're trying to get everything wrapped up. So by January first, we could have everything presented to the city to um, get all my permitting and stuff together. So we're we, working though. So we could go in there potentially next summer. That's right. We're pushing for June first. Oh wow! Look at you. And what what what's the menu going to be like? Oh my God! All kinds of stuff. All kind of Frida favorites and Frida treats. You might have my Ben Over Biscuit Benedict. Um, you know, or you might have the um, you know, my twerking, my twerker main, or my booty popping potatoes. Um, you know, it just depends. You know, I have so many great menu uh, ideas that's going to really have everybody licking their fingers. Uh, tell them, tell them how, I mean, like, like it's audio, so we can't fully see it. But like, if you were going to tell people, this is how you twerk perfectly. Like, wh- how would you explain it to the folks? Because people get close and don't always get to the level that you bring it at. Yes. So the the main thing that I would tell people is practice at home in the mirror. (laughs) Where you can get comfortable as you like. You can see the way that your body moves so that you won't look a fool when you step into the public. And you can, you know, you can twerk in your underwear. You can twerk in your booty shorts. You know, you can twerk naked if you like. But you can really see your body in the way that you twerk if you twerk at home in a full body lit mirror. And that's the best advice I can give people when they really want to perfect their twerk and perfect their craft. Because like when you're doing workout classes and going to dance classes, you can see yourself in the mirror. And when you can see the reflection of what are you doing, you, that's what's going to make you do it your best. Is it, it, it is the point to have the booty shaking or is it to be like the, the, like the back flat to the butt so you can present it at a certain level? Like, like, like break it down. Like it has dynamics because it's all about how wide you open your legs and put your hands on your knees and arching your back. Uh, it just have different dynamics, you know, how how low can you squat, you know, and, you know, it just depends on how good the knees is, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine as a performer, the bulk of your income has always been performing rather yeah. than 
records. Yes. Right? So, so how hard has it been for you this past hard. year, right? And going into next year, no, no shows for a year. Hard. Hard. I mean, just hell and back. It's like, you know, because we rely, artists rely mostly on touring. That's where our most of our income come from and merchandise on the road. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just things have been tough. You know, had to revisit all of my expenses and the way that I spend money and had to put myself on a salary and on the budget and, you know, had to put my business on a budget and let some things go and what wasn't needed at the moment. I had to stop, you know, I'll put a halt on my retirement account with, with taking money and, and putting away to my savings. So a lot has changed for me just being um, not on tour, you know, and um, I miss it a whole lot. <laughs> how many day? How many days were you? How many dates were you doing, or how many dates did you cancel? What for, for the rest of this year? Yeah, like like what would you normally do in terms of how many dates would you be on stage? Oh well, I was about to go on tour with Kesha, and then oh, wow. I always have. Yeah, we had a full two month tour which was a lot, a lot of money that we both missed. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was like booked the rest of the year. And and I'm always doing tours around October, November, and home back for December. Then I'm always out throughout January, uh, February, March, all of the, the different seasons in Mardi Gras, all of that. And then it comes into the spring and schools and colleges. And then I'm doing a lot of stuff for that. Then I'm doing summertime, summer tours and um, 4th of July and, and, and vacation stuff, you know. So I'm, I'm touring a lot, you know. And then you got Pride Month for June. So I'm, I'm rolling throughout the whole year. I'm barely home. Mm. So what's the, what, what has been the hardest thing that you had to give up? I think just the way that I I can spend money and 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 budget budgeting money, you know. Um I mean I've kind of always still watched what I spend, but like I really had to stay on a strict budget. I try not to do too many things that are gonna cost me a lot of money. Um just so that I can survive each month until this pandemic is over and I'm back to fully working. I'm still working, um, but most stuff is virtual. It's not paying the money that it would pay if I was there physically or right. they had people to go there physically and pay. So, you know, things have changed just on every level. Even the virtual stuff is not paying too much, you know? Have you been working on records in the... Oh, yeah, most definitely. Constant music. My new Christmas CD, CD will be out on December the 11th. Um, finished a video this week. So, yeah, steady working on music so that the music will still bring in some money throughout, you know, the digital platform. Um, just re-released the book on paperback on yesterday. So I'm still branding myself and figuring out new ways to make money. But all of that, you know, it takes time. It takes pushing. It takes drive to to drive the people to all of it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What is your superpower the thing that you do better than other people that has led to the success that you've had i think just my my the way that i i carry myself in my business mind um i'm always thinking of 
so many things when it comes to business. I have I'm great with ideas and marketing and figuring out, you know, you could give me a word and I probably can give you a whole plan what we can do with that word, meaning how can we market the word? How can we blow the word up? How can we make, you know, merchandise with the word? You know, would it be a good catchphrase for the word? You know, just all kind of stuff. So I think, you know, that's one of my biggest advantages of just being business minded and always having the drive of wanting to see and do more. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time and your energy and your music and everything. And You are fun to talk to. Oh, my, I'm so glad. I, I was a little nervous at first. My purpose is like, he's known and he used a lot of big words and all of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, girl, we got one of them. <laughs> but I, I had a great time talking to you. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So thank you so much. And you know who you remind me of? Tell me. You, rem you remind me of the twins that used to dance for Beyonce. The twins who were, oh, really? That's funny. That's funny. I never yeah, that I mean, like, you know, they used to wear their hair kind of, like, wow and, and free. And, like, they're great dancers. Like, we we went to London and hung out with them and, like, did a little battle with them when Beyonce invited us to London to come to the show while we were there as well. But you remind me of them. Thanks so much to Frida for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Kina Murphy, and Earl Dorsey. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. And of course, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday and on Friday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.